Thank you for joining in today for another episode of Keeping It Real. This is Jay. So why should we care about who Bruce Lipton is? Okay, well, who is he? He's a stem cell biologist. He is a PhD, a key figure in new biology. Known for his work combining science and spirituality, he has taught cell biology at the University of Wisconsin and conducted leading-edge research at Stanford University School of Medicine. In 2009, he received a Go Peace Award. So, he is a well-accomplished man. He has done many scientific studies. He has all the uh, credentials that you need to understand the man is extremely intelligent i have been listening to him for years and now i want to share with you some of his work in his book the biology of belief which i would recommend if you find this interesting to get the book because i'm gonna just kind of slaughter it i'm gonna summarize some things and give you some of the points out of it that are interesting okay Some points we'll be covering. Cooperation rather than competition should be the central tenet in our theory of evolution. Despite what some Darwinists believe, there is a lot of evidence to suggest that genes do not determine our development. Hmm. You heard of epigenetics? Well, Bruce Lipton Lipton has done a lot of studying on epigenetics, which is something most people don't even know about. So just keep that in mind. Um, Theories in medical science are outdated, and this puts us in danger if we keep sticking to it. It needs to be updated, and he calls this out. Our minds play a crucial role in our physical health. I think we all know that by now. If you have a fucked up head, a brain that's like a soup sandwich, which wouldn't be good, is not going to provide you with any kind of good physical health. It's going to go from your mind to your body to everything. It's going to have to do with your gene trim transcription to the way your body operates, whether your immune system is operating correctly, yada, yada, on and on. Okay. Evolution has equipped us with two basic survival mechanisms, growth and protection. From the point of conception, parental behavior determines how their children will think and act. This includes while they're in the womb, ladies. And husbands who are screaming and yelling or doing stupid stuff while your wife's pregnant or your girlfriend or whatever. Cooperation, not competition, is the most effective force for development. Can that not be any more pertinent to say that now? Everybody stop fighting. Cooperation is key. 
Okay. There is scientific evidence that we are made in the image of the universe and that we live on after death. Okay, these are some things we're going to run across here. So let's get started with this right now. So who discovered the idea of evolution? You're all going to say Charles Darwin, but you're wrong. It was actually discovered a few decades before Darwin by a French biologist named Jean-Baptiste Lamarck. Lamarck's idea of evolution, however, was slightly different than Darwin's. Unlike Darwin, who viewed evolution as a battle between species, Lamarck conceptualized evolution in kinder terms. To Lamarck, cooperation between species and individuals was extremely important to evolution. Hmm... It's just a different theory. And unlike Darwinist theory, which describes random genetic mutations, some of which help an individual survive in their environment and in turn encourage evolutionary progress and only the strong survive, Lamarck suggested that species evolve as they learn to fit in their surroundings. And in many ways, Lamarck's view is closer to our current understanding of evolution. For example, when we look at how the immune system functions, we can see how organisms adapt to their environment and pass this knowledge along to their offspring. No, not talking to them via genetics and epigenetics. When a virus enters our body, our antibodies fight it. When antibodies are successful, they remember the virus and how to kill it. The memory is then passed on to our antibodies' daughter cells. Different kinds of cells, yeah. Lamarck's notion that organisms often cooperate rather than constantly fight can also be demonstrated by modern scientific research. And we are not just referring to members of the same species. There are many symbiotic relationships in nature where different species appear to cooperate with one another. For example, our digestive system contains billions of bacteria to help it function, way outnumbering our cellular makeup. You could call us more bacteria than you could call us humans. I've mentioned that in a podcast before, by sheer numbers. Without these bacteria, we wouldn't be able to digest the food that we eat. In fact, they found bacteria that's even in our brain, but what the function is there for is not understood. But it's symbiotic, it's helpful, it's not doing any harm. Furthermore, interspecies cooperation even affects genes. Science has revealed that genes don't necessarily have to be passed on through reproduction from individual to individual, but that they can be shared with members of other species. Whoa. Despite what a lot of Darwinists believe, there is lots of evidence to suggest that genes do not determine our development. We have found out that Darwin's theory of evolution is not always supported by science. Remarkably, even Darwin himself had doubts about his work in a letter He wrote near the end of his life, he questioned whether he had given enough consideration to the role of environmental factors in evolution. 
he had his doubts. Hey, it's not like, say, I don't know how old you are right now listening to this podcast. If you're 20 years old, you're going to have some different beliefs by the time you're 40 or 50. If you're in your 40s, well, by the time you're 60 or 70, you're going to have some different beliefs. So just know that we are ever evolving, ever changing beings. And if your ego and your pride is that high that you stay stuck on one thing, then you are never going to grow as a human being. Okay, so back to what we're talking about. One such theory is genetic determinism, which centers on the belief that genes govern biology. More specifically, genes determine the production of proteins that form an organism's body. Genes determine the production of proteins that form an organism's body. It's all about genes. However, this theory fails to hold up in one area. If our biology is determined by our genes alone, then the human genome would need a gene for each protein. This is just simple fact. Just think about it. Which would lead to a minimum of 120,000 genes. Yet we have far fewer. The human genome contains only 25,000 genes. Hmm. So there must be other aspects that determine the biology that makes up a human being. Rather than genes deciding our destiny, it has been discovered that our environment also plays a key role. Inside our cells, we have a series of regulatory proteins which surround the DNA in the nucleus. These proteins react with signals from the environment to help determine the destiny of the cell. They do this by only allowing certain codes of DNA to become activated. They say, yeah, switch that on, or no, switch that off. Now, what determines that? Fuck, I know. To illustrate this, imagine someone has a gene which makes them more likely to develop a certain disease such as Parkinson's. Even though they possess the particular gene, however, it doesn't mean they develop the disease. Instead, it totally depends on whether the regulatory protein allow the gene to be activated, turned on. So what our cells actually become hinges on their environment, which means that a more deterministic or Darwinian view is so far from the truth. All right, theories in science, they're just outdated. And there's a hierarchy in medicine where they cling to whatever it is that they distribute between colleagues and they hold on to their theories for dear life so they don't look like imbeciles. This is where we were talking about pride and ego earlier as personal individual human beings. Well, the science community has a big problem letting go of their pride and ego and admitting they're wrong and there is a different way things could work. You might be surprised to learn that illness caused by medical treatments are one of the biggest causes of death in the Western world. Or you may not be surprised. 
I'm not. In the United States in 2003, illness stemming from medical treatments were in fact the number one killer. Why is this happening? Well, I have plenty of my own opinions, but the answer can be found in the world of physics. At the beginning of the 20th century, there was a radical change in our understanding of physics. The old Newtonian view that determined the linear relationship between cause and effect, A always leads to B, which always leads to C, cause and effect, was replaced by Einstein, Charles Einstein. Theory of complex web interaction between energy and matter. A sometimes leads to B, but it can also lead to C. Nothing is an absolute. Basically what he's saying. Unlike physics, however, biology is still based on outmoded principles from the Newtonian world. For example, once the likely cause of an illness is identified, the treatment provided for it stays the same does not change however experiments have shown that the organism also work according to Einstein's notion of a more interactive process for example by observing the cells of a fruit fly, scientists have discovered that the reaction between proteins are not linear, but rather a series of interleaking reactions. This is so nerdy. Just stick with me. And these reactions can have a domino effect. Picture the relationship here as a complex web. Tweak one area and the other areas also change. Moreover, some areas will be more affected than others. It's complex. So this could be an explanation as to why so many people suffer side effects from medical treatment because not everybody is the same. The same treatment can't always meet the unique individual in front of them, their needs. Genetically speaking, they are an individual. They're unique. Not everybody can do exactly the same thing. Therefore, it would be advantageous for biological science to look at alternative treatments such as acupuncture as just an example instead of using the same treatments for everyone. That was just completely hypothetical. However, the power of pharmaceutical companies is astronomical and we know that at the moment right now we are stuck with potentially harmful drugs pills injections things that they push upon us because they will not expand the boundaries of their thinking or they have done that indeed and saw a loss of income because that is what I believe matters more than anything is money. Money is what drives them to prescribe the desired outcome for a patient. You need to do this treatment because it puts the most money in our pocket. Take these pills or this injection because we get paid good by doing this. 
They grease everybody's hands with money. They do everything they can. They lobby in politics. And scientists and everybody are not able to escape from this. Because money will bring out the greed in anybody and eliminate their moral values. Which is what I have grown up and learned over my lifetime is almost no one is available to escape the power of greed and money. Our minds play a crucial role in our physical health. You should know this. You have probably heard of the placebo effect if you've listened to this channel. If not, then placebo effect is where people recovering from an illness after receiving a fake treatment such as taking a sugar pill. They, they, they totally get well, but they didn't actually get the treatment they thought they got. You see what I'm saying? Placebo. That's what a placebo is. It's a fake It is represented as the cure given to them, maybe as a surgical procedure that was faked, a pill that was faked, an injection that was saline water instead of the drug, and the patient cures herself simply with their mind, the power of belief. Ah, sorry, I had to get a drink. This effect suggests that the power of recovery lies at least partly in our minds. I'd say largely in our minds. We get better because we think we will. So how could that be? Well, we know that the mind plays a crucial role in regulating our body. We are not just talking about the conscious mind. That is, we don't just get better because we will it. The conscious mind is online thinking, rambling through thoughts, blah, 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 playing with your computer, playing with your phone, talking to people, walking, driving, shopping, doing chores, basic stuff, undercover, deep down, subconsciously, your subconscious is so much more powerful and has programs that are deep-rooted all the way from way back when you were a child on up. Things that you repetitively do or believe get stored into that subconscious mind and make for automatic reactions towards certain things, which ends up lending a very good description to why trauma exists, why PTSD exists, why anxiety exists, why depression exists, mental disorders in general. Um, It also tells you why you can drive somewhere and maybe be talking on the phone or daydreaming or singing to a song you like and not even realize it all of a sudden you're home. Your subconscious drove you home with a few cues from your eyes seeing what's going on but you literally were not even thinking about it consciously subconscious is powerful enough to do that so I just wanted to give you an idea of the difference the conscious works alongside of our subconscious mind but again as it says here 
It's many, many more times powerful. The subconscious mind. Scientist Candace Pert discovered one such way in which the mind is fascinatingly powerful. She discovered that the mind is not contained just in our heads, but is dispersed throughout our body through signal molecules. This is a scientist. Remember, this is not hooey, booey, fairy dust. While these signal molecules send information to the brain, the brain can also subvert them and transfer information in the other direction. Remember when you got a gut feeling or I felt that in my heart? You get goosebumps. You're thinking about somebody and then they call. All these different things. I mean, examples go on and on and on. Sound, frequency, vibration, our heart, our brain emits electrical signals, vibrations, things that we are so far from understanding. But anyways, furthermore, Pert found that our conscious mind can create molecules of emotion which can program our body to feel better. Our ability to use our conscious mind to supersede our autonomic responses to our environment is what makes us who we are. Yet, it can be problematic. We are capable of acting beyond our base instincts and unlike animals, they don't have this ability. We can program our own behavior, but the ability can end up with us being programmed in a way that can be harmful. I have fucking dealt with this shit. I know. Some programming went wrong earlier in my life somewhere. What exactly it is, can I put my finger on it? No, but I know it causes problems because since my early ages, before even teenage years, I had mental issues. And I've worked with them and dealt with them and many of you out there have. But lots of this starts at an early age. So... Just remember, you could be programmed in a harmful way at any time in life, but the most impressionable is your younger years. This happens, for instance, when we're given a negative message from your parents or your teachers. For example, say a teacher tells you repeatedly that you are stupid. That would be a horrible fucking teacher. But this message could become part of your programming since you are so susceptible to setting up programming at a young age, which could lead to you refraining from doing intelligent things because you're stupid. Remember, choosing difficult careers physically because you're too stupid to do something smart or sharing your thoughts with others. You don't want to do that because you're stupid and people are going to laugh at you. With me, I remember being younger and being shushed and quieted a lot and hit and beat by someone. I remember feeling great times, feeling loved, feeling good um, thoughts and feelings throughout my childhood. But the bad times were really bad. And they left their mark, just like what we're speaking about here 
the scientist is speaking on. And that all those bad times that happened left their mark. Now, the big trick is learning how to take the deepest, darkest parts of your subconscious and reprogramming or releasing that negative trauma, which I don't got the cure. There's lots of different theories out there. There's lots of people that have done it. I haven't found it, but remember, I am not a millionaire. Not like you have to be a millionaire, but I haven't had the money to necessarily go dive into lots of these things, so I don't invest in it. I just read up on lots of things out of curiosity. And I share lots of things with you on this podcast, so maybe you that are more well-endowed maybe can go find things that can help you out. Whether it be new psychedelic treatments, whether it be hypnosis, whether it be NLP, whether it be whatever, man. It could be just good old talk therapy to get it out of your system. Maybe that's what you need. I don't know. The positive and negative effects that might result from the control over our beliefs can take over our biology and lead us to some interesting conclusions when we look at where our life has ended up and what has become of who we are, what control has our beliefs had over who we are, where we're at, what do we really want? But what do we really have? Just remember, beliefs control your biology. Evolution equipped us with two basic survival mechanisms, growth and protection. You need both. Life on Earth has endured for billions of years, but how? Our bodies displayed two types of behaviors that have helped perpetuate our existence, growth and protection. We can see this by looking at our cells. In one study, scientists placed cloned human cells in a culture dish. When the cells were confronted with toxins, they moved as far as away as possible in the dish for safety. It's a protection response. Yet when a nutritious substance was introduced, the cells gravitated towards it. That's the growth response. They wanted to eat. Because these two behaviors are completely opposed to each other, they cannot happen at the same time. Growth occurs when we are in a healthy state, when we are in a state of protection. Yet, like you got to feel safe inside. This is one of the things why we say you can't be stressed all the time. You can't be in a state of sympathetic arousal where your central nervous system is on edge and you're always um, adrenaline, cortisol, all these bad hormones because stress kills. You've got to feel safe in your life. So, when we're in a state of protection though, in response to a threat or a stressor, we don't grow Being in a state of growth is fairly straightforward, so let's explore the more complicated protective state. The protection response contains more than one mechanism. One of these mechanisms is the immune system, which takes care of the body's defense against internal threats like bad bacteria and bad viruses. Then there is the more powerful mechanism, the hypothalamus pituitary axis 
or hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. Anyways, it's called the HPA axis for all you nerds that wanted to know, which shields us against external threats, but also suppresses our immune system. The protection response of the HPA axis is based on our nervous system and is popular referred to as the fight or flight response. For example, I told you some people live in this fight or flight response. It's something I've dealt a lot with in my life. For example, when we come face to face with a lion, like we do every day. (laughs) No, but if it did happen, our body would either prepare to confront the animal if you're a dumbass or you would run as fast as you fucking could or jump up a tree or something. The fight or flight mechanism, you see? The mechanism is stronger because of our frequent exposure to external threats throughout the evolutionary process. The problem is that the HPA access is rather unsophisticated. In stressful situations, it's easily triggered. This is why we become unnecessarily fearful when we have to give a presentation in front of a group. For example, or you have to sit down and take an exam and it's a very important grade and the tension's on and you're sweating and your palms are sweating, your heart is beating, your throat is closing, you can't hardly breathe. I mean, there's all sorts of different things to do, these types of things to people. So in order to thrive, we must learn to control the response of the HPA axis or put simply, we need to control our stress levels. Between 75 and 90% of primary care physician visits have stress as a major contributing factor. Not just to mental health, it's debilitating physically too. From the point of conception, parental behavior determines how the children will think and act. Hmm, go figure. You probably haven't heard that before. We've learned quite a lot so far, so let's take a minute to recap. We know that signals from the environment impact our cells. We know how the body copes with stress, and we are aware that we can reprogram ourselves. We don't know how because we hadn't talked about that. But how can we utilize this knowledge in our lives? One area where we can apply it is in parenting. Not many of us realize that the development of a child is affected by its environment right from its conception. The Darwinian idea of genetic determinism would have us believe that parents are not a crucial partner in a child's development because it is our genes that determine what becomes of us because research shows that this is false. During the time a fetus is developing inside of a woman in the womb, it is actually being influenced by its surroundings Why you hear so many people talking to their babies in the stomach, playing music for it, recordings, blah, blah, blah. Okay, those people, they've got a leg up. They understand this a little bit better. Some scientists believe that conditions in the womb can determine whether we are susceptible to poor health, such as contracting diabetes or suffering from neurosis and strokes later in life. Parents, therefore, need to ensure that they give their babies the best possible start by making the womb 
an ideal place to flourish. If you were a mother, did you do that? When you had that little baby in your womb, did you do that? Did you think about what might be affecting that little baby? Once upon a time, it didn't matter. I mean, hell, uh, doctors were like, smoke cigarettes, drink alcohol, smoke a joint, snort some coke. Now we know so much more. Your nutrition is the baby's nutrition and it's developing. So don't smoke a fucking cigarette and drink a shot of Jim Beam. You might come out with a fucking three-legged fucking kid with one eye. There's no telling. You want a perfect little baby. So take consideration here to treat the child well, which means treat yourself well. Stay low stress, except for things that are good for you, like good stressors are working out until, you know, you get close to conception and giving birth. It's then, then of course, I mean, you don't go, don't go do a lunge or it might flop out on the gym floor. Okay, so anyways, moving on. Parents, therefore, need to ensure that they give their babies the best possible start by making the womb an ideal place for the baby to flourish. They should, for example, eat a healthy diet. What did I just say? Ensure that they program or set up their child for the best start in life. A parent's actions help determine how a child experiences the world, like what things they will be scared of, what things they will feel most comfortable doing. Therefore, they should make sure the child is not programmed with unnecessary fears or stresses. For example, parents should never label their child as weak or stupid. Well, I would think that goes without saying. As the messages will become programmed into that little child's computer, subconscious, and go on into adulthood and stain them potentially through the rest of their life. But this shouldn't scare us because we still have the power, even later in life, to program ourselves to override instincts and achieve greater things. Okay, they're talking about that again. Don't know how. Because I hadn't figured it out yet. That's why I'm saying that. Lots of people out there do know how. I don't. Cooperation, not competition. Talked about that earlier. We need more of this in the world. It's the most effective force for development. What is the overreaching message of evolution? Survival of the fittest? That's Darwin, perhaps. Actually, a more accurate expression is make peace, not war. But why is it not so resonant? Why do more people not say that? For billions of years, cells have cooperated and developed systems that have allowed them to survive At the start of life on Earth, there were many single-celled organisms competing with each other for scarce resources. Eventually, they learned that they could achieve much more if they worked together. And so, multicellular life was born. Now, look at a human body. It holds around 100 trillion individual cells, each living a good life. In a healthy body, each cell has a job and a place to live. 
Not a single cell is cast out to fend for itself. Just imagine what human society would achieve if we took some inspiration from the remarkable cell and made cooperation with others a key objective in our lives. Although it is often thought that humans are genetically programmed to be selfish, yeah, I would agree with that, selfishness is not apparent in the animal kingdom. And we are not so far removed from our animal cousins. Even the wild baboon, considered one of the most violent species on earth, is not genetically programmed to only look out for itself. If even baboons can cooperate, surely people can and should manage to work together. If we continue to go about the world chasing our own selfish goals, eventually we run into more and more conflict as our population continues to grow and the media and politics and social media seems to keep stoking this fire of segregation and making each other hate and get into different divided groups one against the other. Don't do it. Don't fall for it. The only way we can successfully prepare for the future is to communicate with one another and develop common strategies based on our shared goals and values. After all, we all desire a livable, harmonious planet. It's true. If you're really a decent person, that's what you want. We want us all to get along and all to live a good life on this planet, however you so desire, with health care with a livable wage just throw in your your bit to the lot to make your worthwhile for your existence and we'll all get along and we'll do it together and we don't have to fight over shit we need to be aware that we no longer have to accept the notion that we are programmed to act selfishly Okay, so like when chimps become agitated, they don't engage in bloody fights. They diffuse their divisive energy by having sex and lots of fucking sex they have. But chimps are violent too. When it comes to uh, like other chimp clans and stuff, they do some pretty evil shit. So that statement's not entirely true but one of the ways they do get rid of their vigorous agitation and energy is lots of sex so what if you don't have access to sex beat your dick or finger yourself do something like that I don't know I had to just say that (sighs) talking all this great scientific jargon and I had to throw something despicable in there my Apologies. Hopefully, it helps somebody, though. There's scientific evidence that we are made in the image of the universe that we live on after death. A very controversial statement. Made in the image of the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. What's your word for it? Do you have a word for it? Do you live on after death or is it just uh, darkness? You come and go. Dust to dust. You're gone. Just like going to sleep at night, except no dreams. I don't know. Everybody has their own beliefs. Nobody has proof of anything else. Everybody's got their own little uh, belief. 
big. Some people got their own books, their religions. Some of them date back thousands of years. But does anybody actually know the truth? They say they know the truth because of faith. And faith is something you believe in blindly. That's beautiful. But it still doesn't prove shit. It's not science. So, science has stepped in in some places and started to prove that there is intelligent design in the world, that it is beyond Mr. Darwin and evolution. Things had to be assembled or put together because they don't make sense otherwise. And some of the things are so freaking complicated, we may never, ever decipher the code or break down or understand like something as simple as consciousness, subconscious, emotions, love, hate. I mean, I could go on and on about the things that science may not ever get a grasp on. And why they were created. I call them created because I don't believe they just appeared. And you can have your own belief. But I believe in God. There has to be a God. I don't know if God is a, a uh, alien being. I don't know if God is a man with a white beard. I don't know if God is a woman. I don't know if God is a mixture. I have no clue but I believe God is good I believe God is love and I believe that God wants the best for us or we wouldn't be instilled with the inherent values of what is good and what is bad you know it for some reason it's nestled inside you. It's even put into animals, the good and the bad. They know what they need to do to survive, but what's good and what's bad, they know it somehow. What made that? It didn't just happen. Okay, so there are some religions that declare we are made in the image of God. For the atheist among us, this concept can be a little hard to swallow. However, if we take God to mean the universe or the totality of our environment, there is indeed evidence to suggest that we are formed from the universe or from what some may call God. There you go. That is to say, the proteins in every cell in our body respond to signals from our surroundings. This informs how they behave and therefore forms our identity and become and I'm sorry, and because we are made up of cells, we can say we are created from the environment. We are. We're stardust, baby. We're elements of everything around us. Being made in this way is not the only spiritual idea that can be supported by science. There is also evidence to, to suggest that we continue to exist after death. <gasps> to explain our cells' membranes are covered with identity receptors which make them, and therefore us, very unique. Like antenna, these receptors pick up signals from our environment and in doing so, they create our identity. Man, that's some nerdy stuff. Think. 
You just have to almost like go over it again and think. Take the analogy of a television broadcast. Imagine our body as a TV set. Our identity is the image that is broadcast onto the screen. If the TV, pretend it's our body again, breaks down, does this mean that the broadcasted image, which would be our identity, is also dead? Of course not. If you get another TV, the image reappears. So, they're saying the broadcast is your soul. It's being transmitted out there. But that TV, your body, is the only one tuned in to receive your personality, your soul, at that moment in time. So even though our body dies, the imprint of our identity is still present in the environment. If someone appeared with exactly the same identity receptors as you, they would pick up the same broadcast and you would exist once more. In summary, to appreciate this spiritual notion, we need to understand the idea that nothing can function in our body without our cells picking up signals from the environment. Remember I was talking about how everything puts off frequency, electricity, it's a notion that Tesla put out and Albert Einstein. When someone receives a donor donor organ, just think about this. They can pick up the donor's identity. A bodybuilder, powerlifter dude that I love to death, C.T. Fletcher, got a heart transplant from a little Asian woman or he would have died. And he knew it. He started having dreams about her and seeing things in her life. From her heart being put into him. Does that mean that he picked up a little bit on her radio signal? To put into simpler terms, her soul broadcast? Something to think about. The idea that genes control our lives is no longer supported by latest scientific research. The new biology has discovered that we have instead a profound influence over our genetics. Scientists involved in the new biology should therefore dedicate their efforts to better understanding the mechanism to help humanity overcome its problems. Instead of just worrying about money or how they look in scientific journals. Admit you're wrong and move on and let's move on as a species. Accelerate our learning. Don't automatically accept accept the same medical treatment as everyone else. If you or anyone you know are diagnosed by a physician as having a so-called incurable disease or disorder, remember that it depends on the method of the physician what he applies as to whether the disease is curable or not we're all unique thus many alternative approaches to illness should be explored so we can discover the most effective treatment methods it never is good if you go see a doctor and he says you got six months to live it's better off he doesn't even fucking say that Because he has predetermined your belief. 
is he so good that literally that's why everybody generally dies when the doctor says they're going to die? Well, you can believe that if you want to, or you can believe the fact that they're hopeless. They set up their ending affairs and they get ready to die exactly when the doctor tells them to. And so since they believe it, it becomes true. Deal with stress and negative programming by meditating. I don't do it. Actually, I'll take that back. Lately, I have started trying to do some meditation. Ketamine meditation. It's different. It's something that is now legal. If you have the money and the right doctor to see. When you are stressed, your immune system can't function properly. So the next time you are in a situation of chronic stress, consider meditating. This also helps reduce negative subconscious thoughts and programming that wreaks havoc on your health. Got it? Hope you got it. So that's it. That's a simple synopsis of the biology of belief. There's so much more that Mr. Bruce Lipton goes into what I've covered here is scratching the surface of the genius of this man is like he talks about epigenetics epigenetics are genes that can get passed down from generation to generation and just like genes get turned on by protein switches on and off Epigenetics are the same way. You could have a condition from your great great grandmother that doesn't come out until you. It's in your epigenetics, it's a trauma, or it's an autoimmune disease, or it's something else, and your body is triggered to flip that switch on and experience it because it comes from your epigenetic or genetical past. He talks about this. And these are things that are proven in scientific studies. They've done epigenetic studies on mice. Mice have very short lives, so it's easy to accelerate on to the third and fourth generation of mice. You can electrocute Uh, Daddy mice. Electrocuting, traumatizing, horrifying. Then three generations later, his siblings are still terrified of the signal they got before every single time he was electrocuted. I can't remember whether it was a color or a, a tone that was signaled before he got electrocuted every single time. Three generations later, they don't even have to electrocute the mice. They do the tone or the color. I can't remember which one it was. And the mouse curls up in panic and fear because he's ready to be electrocuted. Amazing. Dr. Bruce Lipton, PhD. Please give his book, The Biology of Belief, a listen. Check him out on YouTube. 
check him out on tons of podcasts that he's been on and listen to him and learn because it's amazing all the stuff that science is ignoring because they don't want to move forward. They want to stay stuck in the old paradigm where they have control with their drugs, with all the health care set up exactly the way they're doing it and they don't want to change it. We're not going to have any big paradigm shifts in our world, in our healthcare system, in our mental health system, in our physical health systems until we start confronting a lot of these things that Bruce Lipton is bringing to light. So, it was nerdy. It was definitely deep. And hopefully it stimulated some deep thought for you. I definitely hope you enjoyed it. And as always, I'll go through the same process here to keep me afloat. Please subscribe to the podcast. Look for the link where you can subscribe for as low as a dollar a month, all the way up to $10 a month. And that will keep me afloat. I don't have sponsors at this time. So uh, as far as like, I don't have advertisers. Eventually, maybe one day I will. But I would appreciate if you are getting something out of this free information to subscribe for a dollar a month or whatever it is you decide to do. I'd love you, man. Or girlfriend or whatever out there or whoever you are or binary and non-binary or whatever. Just, I don't care who you are. You're a human being. If you help me, I love you. There you go. Love. None but love. And go ahead. Rate, review on whatever podcast service you're on. And pass it along. Anybody else might be interested in this? Let them hear it. Share it with them. Show it to them. Maybe they'll get some help. Maybe it'll transform them. Maybe it'll send them down a rabbit hole where they'll learn something that they needed. You never know. So... As of right now, you know what I just noticed? I say so too much. I gotta cut so out. Or maybe it's just who I am. I'm not a damn broadcaster. Even though I'm broadcasting. I'm not trying to be on the Today Show. So fuck it. So what? So, until next show, I'm gone. So, see you later. Have a great one. Love ya. Take care. Keeping it real. Do not consider these episodes as medical advice or expertise in any area. I do deconstruct some experts and their material and deliver it to you. But please do all of this at your own risk. at gmail.com